Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. They can't get him out. Christian hits it up in the air. It's carrying to center. Doyle backing up to the track, to the wall. And that one's in the bullpen. Christian Walker has done it again in Colorado. His fourth home run in this series. And it's 8-7 to seven Diamondbacks. Oh, my goodness, is he hot. Home run call of the day. Christian Walker going deep. Steve Berthew on the call. Great way to start your day. And once again, thank you to FanDuel for sponsoring us, for being part of our family, for powering baseball isn't boring. At BB isn't boring. Twitter, Instagram. Let me repeat that. At BB isn't boring. You're going to want to go there. Producer Evan is just cranking out the content. We're cranking out the podcast. Today is no exception. We got a ton of good stuff coming. Been working hard all week to keep things going and to keep you entertained, informed, and enlightened when it comes to the great game of baseball. And like I said, today is no exception. We have Heim Bloom. Heim Bloom returns to the podcast, of course, Chief Baseball Officer for the Boston Red Sox. And really what I wanted to talk to Heim about wasn't necessarily, oh, okay, how did you not or how did you approach the trade deadline, yay or nay, moves or no, all of that. I mean, there's a little of that. But I wanted to, now we're in it. I mean, now we have 
All these teams have between 40 and about 42 games left in the regular season. So as a chief decision maker, what does that look like? How do you approach things, especially with, as you're going to hear in our conversation, no waiver trade deadline. That rule changed a few years ago. So fixing your team, good luck with that. It's very difficult. You better rely on what you have in the farm system. You better rely on what you have already. You better be in good position because as a GM or president of baseball operations or any other title that is at the top of the food chain in an organization, you need to have made the right moves heading into this time with a month and a half left in the regular season because if you didn't, then there you go. You're in trouble. But here's the thing. Like a lot of these teams, the pieces fit. The pieces fit. Like you've reached this point, and now whatever you've done, boom, you pe- the pieces have fit. And not that doesn't necessarily mean that the, you made a ton of moves at the trade deadline. Heck, look at Seattle. Holy mackerel! I mean, they're only game out of the wild card right now. Let me run down those standings really quick before we get to Bloom. All right. So in the American League East, obviously the Orioles. Two games up now on the Rays. Orioles lost two in a row. The two games up on the Rays. The Rays, they are five and a half up in the wild card. Toronto, they are a wild card team round. They have the third wild card. The Red Sox, they are three games back in the wild card. In the Central, the Minnesota Twins, they are in first place, four and a half games up on the Guardians. The West, the Rangers are two and a half games up on the Houston Astros, who have a three-game lead in the wild card. In Seattle, the aforementioned Seattle Mariners, like we said, they're only a game out, only a game out, the six and a half back of first place. The Angels, well, they're seven games back. That's not happened, I don't think. Atlanta, They're in first place, obviously, the most obvious statement of all time. But the Philadelphia Phillies, they're three and a half up in the wild card after a big win over Toronto last night. The Miami Marlins, excuse me, they are in the wild card right now as we sit here. Now, this is the wildest division, no question about it. The Central. The Central is you have Milwaukee. Two and a half up on both the Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds. But the Cubs and Reds, they are also right now, as we sit here, considered wild card teams in a crazy, crazy national wild card race. That crazy wild card race in the National League includes the Giants, who are a game and a half out, and the Arizona Diamondbacks, who have now maybe right to ship a little bit. They're only a game and a half out of the wild card right now. And, of course, the Dodgers pulling away. It's unbelievable. They're 10 games up on the Giants, the second-place Giants. So there you go. But all these teams, the moral of the story when it comes to this podcast is what did these teams do to put themselves in the right position and go on a run? There's all kinds of ways to do it. We're going to find that out. But I was just interested in how does a chief decision maker approach these last month, this last month and a half, and how do they look at their teams? Well, the Red Sox, as we said, they're three games out right now. They're right on the cusp. I thought it was a great time to sit down with Blue, be sat down with the previously on Baseballs and Boring a couple different times. We always appreciate his time. We appreciate it right now as well. Here you go. Hi, I'm Blue. All right, so the chaos of the end of July and early August is one thing, but then you sort of like now, especially with the, the rules changing where there's no waiver trade deadline, but can we all just like pour one out, right? I mean, thank goodness we don't have to do this anymore. 
you're talking about with the trade deadline. The waiver trade deadline. Um, it's exhausting as it yeah. is. Um, you know, it's funny. Obviously, that was in place for really the bulk of my career. And from a front office perspective, the exhausting thing is you get through the trade deadline and you want to, you want to breathe, right? But then the next day, there's like 150 players on trade waivers and you have to go through them and see who's out there. And, uh, and everybody and goes through it. Like, that was the baffling thing to me. Everyone like, oh my goodness, so-and-so. Yeah. Everybody goes through those. I don't, this isn't like a, a history of the waiver trade deadline. Yeah. But I know it, it, some of these, you know, those, you know, they'd end up being news and it's really not news because yeah. most teams at some point during that month are going to put their roster out there. You have to do it in batches. You can't put it all out there on the same day, but um, on trade waivers and things become news that shouldn't be. And you know, there was, Sometimes some interesting yeah. August deals, but you know, for the most part, it's hard to do business with those rules, and it was kind of uh, sort of a weird market. And you know, I don't think it's a bad thing that it's that it's a thing of the past. So when they change the rules, is has it manifested itself into what you thought it would be in terms of you know it was the I remember that first year that there was no it was like oh my there's so much urgency there's so much it felt urgent. Does it feel that way? Did, has it like turned out to be what you thought it would be? Yeah, I've, I've always felt that way about the trade deadline because, you know, just even when the waiver rules were in effect and you could make trades, the reality of it is it's really hard for, to get players through and to to find ways to make the right deals in that time. So there, there, are, there are a few things that you used to be able to consider in August that you couldn't. But, you know, for the most part, you got to do your business before then. And, you know, I, I was raised in this game to really believe in the importance of depth. So the idea of coming out of July with enough depth to make sure you could go through the rest of the season, you know, within reason, obviously there's only so many things you can plan for. That's that's always been a part of my wiring, so it didn't really change that for me. Um, but, you know, it's basically, as with anything else in the game, you know, you, everybody's got to work within the same system, so you figure out how to work within it. So you talk about depth and talking about, okay, now you've done what you can, and you go to the last two months, and, you know, cited this before, is it like the, like, for different reasons, 2021, 2022, tough August, but for different reasons, right? We all know this, right? And then you come out of this one, and obviously you hit like the buzzsaw, the, the Blue Jays out of the gate. Um, but still, like obviously in 2021, you were able to sort of figure it out. As from your seat, from your, from your perspective, is it hard going through that, those first couple of weeks of August? I guess knowing that you know, you still have two months, but still, is it hard? Well, you're at this point in the season where there's a lot of time left, but there's also not a lot of time yeah. left. Um, so when you are in the race, everything just takes on more and more urgency the further in it that you go. And we were in a bit of a different position in 2021 where, you know, we hit the deadline in first place and then hit a really tough part of our schedule, fell out of it, and actually, you know, had a rough enough August that by the end of it, we were fighting for our playoff lives and it kind of stayed that way throughout the rest of the season. Obviously, we're in a different position right now where we're trying to run a playoff spot down from behind. Excuse me, so if anything, the urgency, you know, is, is even heightened because you feel the importance of each of those games. At the same time, you know, you still have a long way to go and every game is going to matter. So you've got to come into each day with the right sense of urgency and know that we still got a ways to go in this marathon. So we have to but like you said, plan ahead. But like you said, it's, it's like, I better be in a good position by the time the heartbreak kills come. You know, it's, yeah. it's it, and, and I'm wrong about a lot of things, obviously, but I did feel like coming into this year, how it felt was the importance of 
August, especially early August, it felt different than the others because I think every team was sort of hanging on by a cliff more. Yeah. Would, it was, did you have that same feeling? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a, you know, a couple teams that have separated themselves, but for the most part, everybody was kind of in the pack. And as you get deeper into the season, that pack is going to separate, and you have to play well to stay in it. Obviously, so far, you know, we had a little lull. Obviously, the Blue Jays series was really tough, but we've been able to stay in it. And you can see, you know, Right now, if you start falling out of it, it's going to be really hard it's to make up that ground. All it takes is a couple games, man. Like, yeah, no, that's it's that, crazy. That's where the urgency is. You I just got to, you just got to play well. Um, but you can't get ahead of yourself. You know, one of the things you can't underestimate uh, the mental toughness and strength that big, good big leaguers have because they know the stakes. We all know the stakes. But if you go out in that field really thinking about those stakes, you're not going to be at your best. You're not going to play free. And so you have to be able to stay in the moment. These guys are so good at that. And, you know, I, I'm someone who a lot of my job involves seeing around corners and planning ahead. That doesn't work out here on a nightly basis. These guys just have to be locked in and staying in the moment. And the guys who do it well, it is incredibly impressive. On top of all the physical abilities that they have, just the mental strength, the mental focus that they have to be uh, you know, physically relaxed, even while mentally they're alert and they understand what's going Well, that's space. another part of this, right? You, you get to the middle of August, and this is what happened with Schorber. Like, when Schorber came back, it was, I came back, right guy at right time. It just felt like, that's how it felt. It, the pieces fit, and it was so many good, whatever you do with the trade line, it's, it's the pieces fitting. Like, I was talking to Duvall, the pieces fit for the Braves, right? We look at the national. The pieces fit for the national a few years ago, and that's what you're sort of waiting to see. And as we sit here, as we sit here right here, it kind of feels that way. But you, that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah, and you know, there's different ways to come by it. Obviously, you know, this year was a deadline where we didn't make a ton of moves, in part because, you know, to do something just to do something when it doesn't fit, not only does it not make sense, you're, it's probably going to hurt you if, if it's not well considered, um, and. In general, I think throughout the season, we've seen different ways that this roster fits and that it kind of can insulate itself against, you know, some of the things that could have derailed us that get, could go wrong in a season, whether it's the young players, whether it's the way the pieces in the bullpen fit together, whether it's different things in the position player group that have allowed Alex to do different things lineup-wise. Um, not to say it's been perfect in every, every given night, but, uh, you know, I think it has fit together. But you know what? Some of this only becomes clear in hindsight, right? Like, you think back to where we were at this point, in 21, even after Kyle started to play, um, I might be remembering selectively, but I don't remember a whole lot of commentary about how well the pieces fit at that point. Oh, no, in part well, because well, we we're trying to teach him how to well, play first and oh yeah, you know, trying different things. Let me let me refresh your memory because I looked this up. It was like it was you got a guy in Schwarber who had a bad hamstring. You don't know if the hamstring's going to hold up. You don't know if he can play first. And by the way, the two relievers you got who were useful ended up being useful. By the time Schwarber came back, you hadn't won a game when they pitched it. Yeah. They, both of those guys kind of started out rough. Yeah. And, you know, obviously with Hansel, we got – he saved us in September. Yeah, absolutely. Um, AD had some huge moments down the stretch. And obviously Kyle, a lot of that, you know, we knew it was a little bit of a leap of faith. We actually went through this very explicitly when we were looking at deadline acquisitions because, you know, left-handed hitting first baseman was kind of the perfect fit. But we loved the player. And we went through, okay, the first base thing – you know, this is the type of guy you bet on to figure it out, right? He has done that his whole career. The first base thing we we weren't sure about. We trusted that he was going to give it every effort. Uh, but even if it didn't work, what did the roster look like then? And, you know, I think one of the interesting things about that year is that 
in some ways, I think the COVID outbreak we went through, as difficult as it was, in some ways sort of helped us see the fits in some of the pieces because we had to get back to basics. We had to get back to just playing the game the right way because you weren't going to have your ideal nine on any given night. Um, so guys had to buckle down and figure it out. And there are points in the season when any group, if you want to get to the postseason, you are going to have to fight through some stuff. And I felt from my seat, it kind of reoriented everybody towards that goal. And in a weird way, I, I think it kind of helped us. And we came out of that playing our best baseball. And it was it was enough to get us uh, you know, to October and then to get hot uh, for a while in October. So you don't know, we didn't know that was coming when we sat here sure. at this point in 21. There's a lot of twists and turns, a lot of surprises that the season is going to bring. Uh, even at this date, you think you know how the season is going to go. And there's still a few storylines that you don't know about yet. So you just got to... You know, again, you try to you try to have the best roster you can and, and and play the best baseball you can. Stay focused on what you have to do that day. Stay focused on what matters. Ignore the noise. The teams that do that the best tend to have the best stretch runs. Well, that's what you know, the ball said that. I mean, it was like it's a one game at a time thing. But you know, when you look at say, hey, we got to win nine games in a row, it's, it doesn't happen. And again, it's a cliche, but these guys are so nah, good at nah, that. Nah, man. Like I know you got it's real. And they make it real, and that's not something, frankly, most of us, you know, normal human beings, I don't think would be as good as they have to be to be able to perform. No, because we're looking basis. at where we're going to travel in, in two weeks, you know, like, yeah. and where we're going to be. And, but uh, this, since the theme is sort of like the piece is fitting, right now as we sit here, we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, like, two days, who knows? It could be five games out, it could be one game out, I don't know. But right now, how the feel of this, does it feel like the pieces fit better than maybe even in 21? Well, I think this is as close as we've been able to come all season right at this moment. And hopefully we continue along these lines, um, you know, to having the group out there that we envision. Now, all that said, in this game, you know you are usually not going to have that because that's part of what it is to go through the marathon of the season. You're not always going to be in those ideal circumstances. I mean, you look at, you're talking about Doobie and that 21 Braves team. Yeah. One of their best players, one of the best players in the game, missed that entire run. They didn't have him for that whole run. Yeah. Um, and they still made it go. And sometimes you have to do that. So, so, so you can't sit there and be waiting for your ideal roster. But um, you can see with you know, some of the guys that have popped back in and what it's allowed us to do with the pitching staff or what Trevor being out there, you know, as much as he's able to be, means you know, for us uh, defensively what it allows the lineup to look like. You know, that doesn't mean every night he's going to make a great player. Every night he's going to he's going to get a couple knocks. That's not how baseball works. But, you know, hopefully if we will see this over the course of time uh, down the stretch that, that you know, the pieces do fit together because of that. But at the same time, it's not going to be perfect. That's yeah. not how baseball is. So. And you can't fix it. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I take that back. You made a good move with the Glacius 2021 with the rules that were in place this after their yeah. So again, those were again unique circumstances. Yeah. We were in the midst of that outbreak where we were scrambling for healthy players. Yeah. And but for that, I don't think we would have had the roster space to bring Iggy in. And he ended up having an incredible uh, September. And even though he was postseason ineligible, uh, well, well, but he got he, you through, man. He, he did participate in the postseason pushing the cart, but he was not able to play in the postseason. Um, <laughs> I think that's on his way. So again, that man. that was kind of unexpected. But you know, this year I think. If, if we're going to see that down the stretch, we're going to see more of, I think, what we've seen to get us here, which is those guys stepping in are our own players. They're our young players that uh, have a chance to get into a role because, you know, injury or underperformance, something opened up something for them. 
and then they took the opportunity and ran with that. And you know, in some cases, it's a Brandon Bernardino who we get from the outside, or it's a Chris Murphy who comes up from within our system and ends up playing a much larger role uh, than I think we could have possibly envisioned. And hopefully, those guys continue to earn it. Uh, we we like a lot of the guys that we have now in Worcester. Um, I I'm, I bet the way this game goes, we're going to end up needing to call on a couple. Of them well, I was going to say, is, is there is there other players there? You know. You don't want to throw ideally, but it's not nothing's ideal. Are there players there where you can say, like, if this happens, we feel comfortable? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd say that, you know, on the position player side, obviously the work that some of those guys have done uh, speaks for itself. Um, what I'm saying is uh, it's on Raphael really ready to, to jump in if, if need be. Well, you know, whether it will be the right opportunity or not, we'll see. But you couldn't <laughs> have asked him to do much more than he's done. I mean, this guy obviously has been an outstanding defensive player for a long time. When it's clicking with the bat, we know there's some things he's working on with yeah. the approach. When I it's know, I know bat, it's like a, like he's outstanding. Yeah. He's a, you know, again, like we view this guy as an absolutely integral part of you know the next several years. And sometimes when you know a guy is that, sometimes they get that opportunity a little sooner than you would think. But it's not you just him. You know, we've got. I mean, Bobby Dahlbeck. We have a big league player who's having a big league season in Worcester. The opportunity just hasn't been there for him. We've got little glimpses of what David Hamilton, what Emmanuel Valdez can do. We, we trust them, we feel good about them. Uh, you know, we're, we have been and continue to be really excited about William Abreu, and he's showing that now, now that he's um, gotten enough under him that, that he's getting hot. Will all those guys get opportunities, especially with the new rules in September? I don't know, but we feel really good about you know, going to them and, and relying on them. And you know, the same thing on the pitching side. Again, we've had a little bit of taste of what Brandon Walter can do, and feel comfortable going to him. And, um, you know, Nick Robertson had a couple tough outings, but we got him for a reason. And, and uh, you know, whether it's this year or down the road, we think he's going to help us. Uh, and there's a couple more guys like that that, you know, we have a lot of trust and confidence in. And like I said, the way the game is, probably going to end up uh, giving them, uh, you know, some group of those guys will get a shot to help us before this thing is over. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I, uh, I look over at my dad, and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. When you, I've said this, is that I felt like the best case scenario Red Sox in 2023 can compete with anybody. That's, you know, you don't get the best case scenario a lot. But you have got a lot of best case scenarios, which is, you know, I think, not just because you're sitting here, I've said this, this is a credit to the, how the team is built. You know, this best case scenario. Like, if this works like we think it can, then it'll work. Um, your projections, and you don't have to say, oh, well, Jaron Duran's much better than we thought, right? But your projections about what this team has done this year, has it been about what you thought it would be? better or worse or how is it? You know, the good things that have happened, I think we've gotten there differently from in some ways what we would have hoped because a lot of the opportunity that's come for young players or, you know, new players from the outside, but especially our own young players to step up, that's come because of injury. It's come because of things that you don't hope for, don't necessarily expect. I mean, Jaron started the season in Worcester. He got his opportunity because of what happened to Adam Duvall in Detroit. Uh, and then he went and ran with it. Um, you know, again, we talked about Murph. Like, he got an opportunity because of some of what we were going uh, through on the pitching side. 
and uh, you know he's run with it. Is that to say that this guy is not going to have any bumps in the road, and you know he's just going to keep doing this forever? Probably not. You know the game's harder than that, but we've gotten a taste, and he's gotten a taste of what he can do. So I don't even look at his best case scenario because there's been a lot of bad breaks that have yeah. led to those guys getting. I guess I'm focused on like the main guys. You know, like you like. Again, this is me. Like you, you have much more information than I do. But Yoshida, he's a good player. Um, Turner, he's a better player than I thought in so many ways. Um, obviously, Cassis has sort of like evolved into the player that we thought. Wong, holy mackerel! Like much I saw the kid play in spring training, right? And then also like, wow, like he's a good player. So that's how I look at it, right? And then, you know, the, all all those things you mentioned, like all, we we. We made some uh, important off-season acquisitions that, you know, by and large, have been exactly what we hoped. Oh, Kenley and Martin, right? Yeah. yeah. Kenley and Chris have been exactly what we hoped. Uh, JT, who he's been, you know, you, you know everything that you hear uh, about a guy and what he can do in a clubhouse, and you don't know for sure when you when you bring someone to a new place if it's still going to play. And, and man, uh, just what he does for our group every day is not to be underestimated. And um, and I think it has helped, you know, culturally to allow those young players as a place to, you know, place to thrive. And, you know, again, we were going pretty good offensively early in the year before Tristan got going. But because a lot of other things were clicking, we were able to give him the space to figure some things out. And now we're reaping the rewards of that. Um, the game is hard. Most young players, even talented young players, don't succeed right away. But to see a number of them come together and clicking, yeah, that's what we work for. And it is what we envisioned. And, you know, I remember at the beginning of the year talking about um, how you know, hopefully, especially knowing we got our third baseman locked in now for a while, like the, the fog starts to lift, the picture starts to become a little clearer. You know, hopefully as these young players continue to step forward, it becomes clearer and clearer, you know, where the arrow is pointing. That doesn't mean we're there yet. We're not we're not taking any credit. Credit goes to them, and we're certainly not taking any victory laps because we haven't really accomplished anything yet. Um, but, you know, you can see hopefully what we've been seeing about uh, what needs to happen for this thing to go where we want it to and, and, and what is happening and we just got to keep building on that it, it's great all these developments that you're talking about everything that's happened is awesome it's not nearly enough we know that so we got to keep working and we got to keep improving yeah that's why we're doing this where we're checking in the, the anxiety of a month and a half it is a month it's crazy it's a month and a half left um, I'm gonna finish with a, a positive of it because I want you to take me behind the scenes of Pablo Reyes, right? Because I think this is an in interesting, so Pablo Reyes has become a very good player. Again, you talk about a guy like who has over um, exceeded my expectations, certainly. But not only did you get him because you had a, a need, but you got him for, as a AAA player off the Oakland A's. I mean, this is the ultimate, I know that you're going to give credit to scouts and everything else, but this is the ultimate, we like this guy that nobody's talking about because of this, this, and this, and it turns out to be holy mackerel. This guy, kid's pretty good. So take me, because people like the behind the scenes, take me behind the, like, how you found him. Yeah, well, Pablo's probably making us look at least a little bit, maybe a lot smarter than we actually are. Uh, so credit to him, because he's played amazing, but... Um, you know, this was at a time, obviously, we were really scuffling in terms of middle infield depth. And, you know, we, you know, we had a situation where, you know, we, we really needed, uh, you know, somebody who was able to move around, play the middle of the field. And, you know, just due to various injuries, different situations, we didn't have that exact player. And, and you know, it was, it was 
there was an effect that it was having on the rest of our roster and just what it was leading to. Again, you go through these things, you think you plan for them, but you know, when you're six, seven, eight layers deep into your yeah. depth, at some point it starts to not fit as well. Uh, so we had to look to the outside and our group, our pro acquisition group, um, you know, there's a lot of different people you can credit there. Obviously, Mike Grubman oversees that group. Um, Harrison Slutsky, Andrew Mack, Joe McDonald, guys working together, you know, our, our scouting group. Um, you know, really scouring the world for who's out there that would actually be reasonable for us to go get right. at this point in the season that we could acquire quickly. Um, because, obviously, at new, we knew at some point we would probably be healthier, but we needed someone now. And so, you know, they, they're digging up different options and it's looking for a player we like, but it also has to be in a situation where it might be reasonable that we could actually acquire this player. So sometimes that is going to be a player like Pablo, who's been up and down a little bit. Um, it's not necessarily going to be a 22, 23-year-old kid because those guys usually are to trade for from a position in need. Those guys usually move in more significant trades. And I think it was just a good marriage of a lot of different information that we had. You know, our analytical information was pretty good. Um, we had different scouting looks at the guy. We had some different people with background with him, including in our own clubhouse with, with Carlos, uh, having had him in winter ball. So we had some sense of the person, how he would handle the role, would he fit in here? Because all that is essential to getting best performance out of a player. And, you know, it's really just something where the pieces fit and, uh, you know, he's a really good option for us. And then it was a question of, well, are we going to be able to go get this guy? Um, you know, he was not in the big leagues at the time. And so clearly they didn't have an opportunity for him at that point. Now, you know, are they set up to where they're going to be willing to let this guy go in, in a smaller trade for an opportunity that we can provide? That might not last that long, but you never know. And, uh, you know, they were able to. We did a deal. We were able to work quickly to do something. Got him in here, and, uh, you know, he's, he's been just outstanding. How familiar were you, were you with him? Because, like you said, you get all this information. Yeah, I, I was personally it? was not that familiar. Really? This I was, was, was going to say, oh, well, was, it, not, was no. it literally like – who? You like to think you know everybody out there. I don't. You know, I got pretty familiar with him because he was, uh, again, our, our guys did really good work. Um, you know, uh, basically put together a bunch of information, brought this guy to life. He made sense to me as a target. Uh, and so we went out there and but, tried but to see So I'm going to play him. devil's advocate here. So he made sense as a target, but he's in AAA, right? You need, and like, you got to do a feasible trade because it's not, as you point out, it's not easy to make trades then. But at the same time, you're like, well, why is he in AAA, and why are we targeting him? And I don't really know this guy very well. And you know, I guess it comes back to trust of the guy. That, yeah, you got to trust your people, trust yeah. your information. We knew we were going to be in a position where um, we might have to take a chance on someone we don't know. And you know, sometimes that's that's better than just resorting to the familiar because oh, I've been around this guy and I know he's a good guy. Well, he might not be the best player, right? He might not be the best fit. And if based on the information you have, this is why we have people looking at this information. This is why we have scouts in the field. This is why we have people that at a moment's notice, they will drop everything and watch, watch a guy take 250 ground balls on video just to see how he handles them. You have to trust the work of people. And uh, it, it all you know made sense to us. Again, we knew this, this uh, you know, it was not going to be a blockbuster deal, but you still want it to be the right fit. You want it to fit what you're trying to do. You talked about the pieces fitting. Um, you know, sometimes things that may seem minor at the time end up winning you games for months, and that's what Pablo has done for us. All right, here we go. Buckle up, man. Let's go. Here we go. <laughs>